I want to welcome you to episode two of the Deep in the Woods podcast, where we will take a hike in the woods, explore the significance of words, and discuss how they connect to our lives. In this episode, I take a walk at Old Rope Mill Park in Cherokee County, Georgia, with Ryan Cherry, who has chosen the word harmony. Ryan is a special education teacher and a talented musician with multiple music projects. His love of music drives our conversation, which leads us to his battles with anxiety, the pursuit of adventure in the media, and how pride and ego impact our decisions. During each episode, we will use the words of Casper Chakal as our guide. We will set an intention before heading out, pay attention to the natural world along the way, use all five senses if possible, and return home again with a new perspective. Now, Let's begin our journey with Ryan as we take a hike at Old Rope Mill Park. All right, Ryan, you ready? I'm ready. All right, well, thanks for going on a hike with me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, well, we're going to get started. So the first question I'm going to always ask is, where are we and why did we come here? Uh, We're at Old Rope Mill Park. Um, I picked this spot because I have twin boys at home, and this was our first professional uh, photography outing with them so they got some professional photos out here and I think it's a really pretty park but you actually told me more about the history than I even know yeah, knew about it. But I used to <clears throat> originally with, just so just give a little history of the place and some background um, I used to live in Cherokee County that's where we're at now um, and this little park runs down by Little River um, Little River connects over to Altoona Lake um, but the history of this little spot is that it used to be the home of a lot of different mills. Um, the mills were actually given to an owner in the 1830s during the Cherokee land lottery. Um, and then from that point, there's been many different mills that run along the side of this river. In fact, right now, we're standing on the foundation of one of these old mills, the rope mill, which was used to build or make ropes for tents in World War II. Um, is this part of it right here? Yeah, so right now we're seeing holes in the ground, and this is oh, part of the so section cool. for where that was at. Like concrete? and Yeah. But you, you mentioned that you were here with, uh, with family. Actually, we'll yes. walk over here just a second. Um, oh. So this seems like family is pretty important to you in terms of why you chose this place. Yeah, of course. Um, and we, just, we have a Spider-Man up here that's <laughs> graffitied onto the ruins of this mill. Um, with some, awesome. Yeah, and it says Old Rope Mill Park here as well. Um, but it's a very awesome little place. We actually just had some heavy rain yesterday, so typically you're going to have a lot of mountain bike riders coming through, but it's been closed off to the mountain bike riders because of the extra water and flooding. So, um, so tell me more um, about your word. You wanted to tell me about what word? Harmony. Harmony, okay. So I chose the word harmony... Um, I'm a guitar player, well, musician. I played a bunch of different instruments, but guitar being my main one. Um, so music's a big part of my life. Um, I'm currently in a band. I've been in different bands th- throughout my life, and just music's always been part of my life. So I chose that word not only because of music, but I think it kind of encompasses a lot of my life as a whole. So, um, you know, with, with music... Well, I think most of us like music that's pleasing to our ears. And when you think of harmony, you think of things that are pleasing to your ear. So with music, you have major keys and minor keys, Mm -hmm. but they all kind of connect together in a pleasing way. Yeah. Because when we hear music, it's all based around harmony, unless it's atonal, and we don't normally like that type of music. So when we think of like pop music or blues or country, it's all harmonies around it. It resolves, so there's like there's a structure behind it always. Yeah. So it's it's almost safe, I guess you could say. Oh, I see. So okay. I think when I think about why I like music and harmony, it kind of also seeps into other places in my life. Oh, where yeah. I guess I like things to be structured well, and I'm, harmonious. <laughs> oh, there you go, harmonious. Um, I'm going to jump back a little bit in terms of music for. For me, <clears throat> music was important as a child because my father and many other they, they they show you the music, the different things that they listen to, 
Um, I grew up remembering going to preschool. My dad would drop me off, and he would play a lot of oldies, things like the oh, Beatles yeah. and so forth. And he had a uh, record player collection, and I was very interested in early on. And I think I remember you saying before that your dad liked the Eagles oh, and, yeah. and a few of those bands as well. So, but, yeah, we grew up you know, going on car trips, and my dad had the you know, Hotel California album, and we'd play that thing through all the way through. And I was just really impressed by the guitars and stuff, obviously. So, uh-huh. um, At what age do you think that was? I was probably like nine or ten. Okay. Um, and not only the guitars, speaking of harmony, but the Eagles are really well known for having like five-part harmonies, like vocal harmonies. Okay. Um, so when you hear them, all of the singers sing in tandem or together. I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah. But, um, and they create a harmony, and it's really nice to hear it. So I think hearing that early on, um, that kind of spiraled me into this musical obsession I have now and then um, other influences I found later. So. But yeah, the Eagles, we listen to the Eagles, the Beatles, Sgt. Peppers, yeah. all that stuff, like road trips, because my mom's a big Beatles fan, um, Led Zeppelin, all the, you know, all the classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah but it's, uh, I mean, I don't know if my dad went that direction as much, but we, <laughs> but we did have a lot of those same artists uh, that we played. Um, there was a radio station in Atlanta called Fox 97, and we listened to it every time on the way to school, and it played a lot of those things, your Beatles, Three Dog Night, Eagles, all the different types mm-hmm. of things at that time. Um, but it also had, you know, your Motown, um, Heard It Through the Grapevine, all those different songs as well. Mm-hmm. So I had a pretty wide range of things to listen to at yeah. that age. As well as country music. Um, we, we grew up listening to a lot of 80s and 90s country And you're from Calhoun. So. Yeah, so North Georgia, <laughs> that's a lot of that. Yeah. I grew up in Alpharetta, so. Yeah. A little bit more commercial area. <laughs> so before we, we jump into that a little more, I just wanted to give an idea of what we're standing on. Right now, we are on top of um, the the remnants or ruins of what was the rope mill which is probably about a maybe 100 150 year old building um and we can see down inside of it at the moment and at, at one point water ran right next to like a little creek area and it used to be a little dam where they would run the water through to turn the mill uh, but we, you could still see a pretty good amount of the remnants from when it was here there's lots of graffiti too, which is always cool. Yeah, <laughs> graffiti sh- and lots of cans and stuff. Yeah, it, so you can still see a lot of the places where people have uh, added and their like art, metal to and the place. steel, steel foundation and stuff. Yeah, lots of rusty iron laying around. That's cool. So we're gonna head on down um, past the river itself, and there's a little stream running down what used to be the canal for the um, the water wheel. Um, so let's jump back into that conversation. You as a, a musical artist. You, you had that influence growing up from your dad, listening to that music. Um, when would you say that, that, that musical uh, desire to turn it into playing music, where did that shift at? Um, I don't know if it can pinpoint a specific time. I, I, I was, you know, I'll take that back. So originally, um, I was very interested in drums. <laughs> so kind of totally different than harmony, uh-huh. more, you know, rhythm. Um, well, not totally different, but... So I, I would set up in my garage. My dad had some, like, old tin cans and different stuff from his tool. Yeah. Um, his toolbox and, or workbench. Um, and then my mom had this. Oh, you can hear the rapids over here. Oh, yeah, you can hear the water pretty, pretty good here. Oh, walking over some rocks. Um, my mom had this, like, what are you, I don't even know what to call it. It's like a tennis ball holder. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's the, like a metal You would pick up rack. the balls. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, a metal contraption. But anyway, so I would use that as like a symbol, like a hi-hat. And I, my mom had some like those paint stir, wooden paint stir things. Yeah, yeah. And my dad had an old like bench press, <laughs> like bench in the garage. So basically yeah. it had the two like poles that came up to hold the bar for the, um, the barbell for the bench press. So I'd use those two things to basically jerry rig up some cymbals on there too so I, I basically made a little drum set out okay. of an old bench press and some tin cans and tennis ball holder and other different things that made noise so I was interested in that for a while and I thought I wanted a drum set my parents said no <laughs> <laughs> so um, then I went the guitar route and I got a guitar when I was 11 um, so I think from there um, I started getting more interested in guitar specific music you know like Jimi Hendrix and Mm -hmm. um, when I started taking lessons then I was introduced to a lot of 
a lot more stuff like Stevie Ray Vaughan and um, like all the greats. Yes. Yeah. But I think I gravitated more towards blues um, early on because it, I don't know, it was something, it was something emotional about it rather than like if you listen to a, like an 80s shredder guitar player, it's very yeah. technical, you know? But when you hear blues, there's like a lot of emotion behind the guitar playing. And I always gravitated towards that. So in terms of I don't blues, know if that answers your question. No, that's like in terms of blues, what give me some idea of some of the artists that you would say you listen to at that point. Um well uh Steve Ray Vaughn, that was kind of the guy that got me really interested in blues. Uh-huh. And I think for with him, like I was saying, there's a lot of emotion behind it. Now his playing is so smooth, but he's also very quick. <laughs> he can play very fast too, but I think the neat part about him is there was not a whole lot of distortion. So distortion being like when you think of distortion, you think of um, like Jimi Hendrix, like the Star Spangled Banner, uh-huh. like that big fuzzy wall of sound uh, yeah, type yeah. thing. Um, but with Stevie Ray Vaughan, no, don't get me wrong, I like that fuzzy stuff too. But with Stevie Ray Vaughan, it's like clean guitar and it's emotional. Um, and it's raw, I think. It's just really like that Texas blues thing. Just like a lot of emotion in there. So him, um, then I started listening to B.B. King, so kind of a little bit opposite. Okay. <laughs> um, Albert King. And then from there, I f- fell into John Mayer. Yeah, because yeah. I, I saw, know you're a big fan. <laughs> I saw a video of him playing blues, and I think it was on VH1 or something. Like there was a live performance, and my dad was like, Ryan, you got to come check this out. John Mayer is playing blues guitar, and I was like, "John Mayer, yeah, the acoustic yeah, guy, yeah, the, your your body is a wonderland, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. That's <laughs> like sitting and like swooning girls, but yeah. and he was just crushing it, and he was playing that kind of Stevie Ray Vaughan style stuff, that kind of Texas blues sound, and I was really impressed. I got to see him live once so far, and I was blown away. I did not. He's unreal. His guitar <laughs> ability is just the skills there was. It was. Uh, I think my wife and I watched him, and she also was really impressed. Like how talented he really mm-hmm. is uh, in terms of the guitar playing. Um, but yeah, and we actually are standing now on where the canal begins that ran into where the mill used to be. And there's a, still a little, like a balance beam concrete piece that runs across here. That's really cool. I, I'm sure lots of kids come and have fun. Was, you can definitely walk across that. Yeah. That's, uh, so I'm, part of the remnants of the wall goes almost midway into the the river there yeah it uh, helped I, I guess imagine he probably went further out at some point to redirect the water this direction uh, but yeah there's definitely so a little could, canal you could basically walk out to the middle of the river on this old brick wall that, yeah it's that's it's really cool I know if I was my uh, <laughs> eight year old self again I'd be all over this uh, kind of climbing off and coming on top of everything and thinking uh, maybe we could do it now no. yeah hey why not <laughs> uh, but now they um <clears throat> Yeah, I'm afraid I might actually fall in. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it might be fun, though. Um, so It was warmer, yeah. So let me jump now to, um, I know you went to University of Georgia in Athens, and you played in some bands there as well, which yes. is we People who don't know, Athens is a big music scene. It's a, yeah. uh, lots of big bands. REM, B-52s, mm-hmm. lots of different bands came out of there. Lots of smaller bands that are really good, too, that just, uh, you know, that's, it's known for that in that little town. Um, but tell me some of your history through Athens and how your musical uh, world evolved in that place. So going back to, you know, I got really interested in blues when I started. So originally when I got the guitar, I was, you know, interested in all the classic rock stuff like we talked about, the Eagles. And then I wanted to learn ACDC and all that kind of stuff and Led Zeppelin and all that typical stuff like Back in Black. and mm-hmm. all that. Um, But then I gravitated towards the blues for a while and then... As I got older, I started to, you know, listen to a bunch of different stuff, too. And I grew up in, like, 90s, early 2000s, so I got into rock, mm-hmm. you know, like like the, the punk rock early 2000s thing. Yeah. I was very into that, like Fall Out Boy and oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, New Found Glory and Blink-182 and Sum 41 and all that stuff. <laughs> so I kind of developed a very weird and broad musical um, interest, so... When I got to Athens, I actually was in a, a pop punk band for a while. Okay. So not even blues. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think doing that and kind of pushing myself out of my comfort zone of what I was comfortable playing on guitar opened 
opened my mind up to more options of, you know, you know, like I don't want to be a, a musician that only sticks in one genre. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm interested in learning a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Cause we've even talked before about, I have a big interest in like folk and bluegrass. And yes. You, and you were saying that that's something that you would like to try to, to play as well, because yeah. it's a very different uh, guitar style that's required or, you know, for mm-hmm. that type of music also. Yeah. I mean, um, if you if, fast forward to now I'm 31 in college, like 21. Um, so, you know, I was interested in blues and rock and those kinds of things, but through 10 more years of playing, um, I, you know, I picked up like country guitar and, mm-hmm. um, and like jazz. I'm kind of interested in jazz now and neo soul and all kinds of different R&B guitar. So, um, I think not limiting myself to one genre kind of helped me. I don't know. I feel like, whoa. <laughs> We're having to jump over a creek right now. Hold on now. A little stream. I wouldn't say a creek. But uh, there's a little stream that runs into the river, and we had to do a little leapfrogging here. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I think it, as a musician, it just makes you a better musician. Yeah, um, I imagine. Just having more ha- have more of a broad range of, of abilities. I, th- I think it also go- goes along with my personality, where um, I'm, I'm very ADD. <laughs> so I get bored of things quickly. Okay. So... Um, I'll come back to things, but yeah, I think I like to have a lot of different options. <laughs> well, let's go back to the word harmony for a minute in, in terms of music. And I think this will pull into what you're just saying. Yeah. Um, so harmony theoretically and a lot of other components here, you, I think we've talked before about, um, how certain type of music has, well, maybe a, you fix me, help me with the words here with closure or it comes around to resolve. The, yeah. Resolve. Yeah, that's resolution. The word. Um, and so with harmony itself, do you feel like certain music you lean more to because of the... Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll let you jump in there and talk well, more about that. I mean, if you think about blues, I'm going to try to, um, for those that are not musicians or don't know um, what I'm talking about, hopefully I can make this in layman's terms. Okay. <laughs> but... Yeah, help me because I definitely don't have that background. Blues but. has a typical chord progression mm-hmm. that's common throughout all blues music. Um, the key might change, which all that means is um, the pitch or the it, it might be lower or higher depending on the song, but the actual chords themselves or the structure is very similar mm-hmm. throughout. And the reason why is because it resolves. Okay. So it always kind of comes back to the start. I gotcha. Okay. Um, it's repetitive. If, but in a, in a pleasing way. That's sort of say, yeah, almost like a fine, uh, ending spot that's peaceful, like yes. where it has a closure. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And so that's blues music, but even pop music, if you listen to stuff on the radio, the reason we like it is because it, re- well, in my opinion, <laughs> it's because it Many resolves. Did, yeah. uh-huh. um, it's catchy because it's repetitive. Yeah. Um, it comes back to, it, it, it doesn't just end on what they would call tension and like, and there's certain formulas to all this, right? Like there's yes. certain progressions or certain chord systems, and I'm, and that's I'm probably where harmony this, comes yeah. together because that's you know crafted by classical yeah. musicians and all that stuff with major and minor, um, and yeah. So there's things that it's it's all formulaic. There's structure. Um, yeah. So a pop song, generally, the people who are writing these songs know how to write them to make it pleasing to the ear. Yes, they know chord progressions that are pleasing to the ear. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Or, or you know, maybe they don't know the theory behind it, um, but they they know what sounds good to their ear. <laughs> yeah. Or um, what they've heard on the radio before. And, and you think of those as like your your top fifty stations. And yeah. Those kinds of things. Okay. Um, but you know, if you look at jazz, um, there's different forms of jazz. I do like jazz, but there are forms of jazz that I don't like because they're too out there. Is that, fr- is that like free form? Okay. Yeah. I mean feel bad if there's anyone listening to this that loves that that's like a diehard that's freeform okay, jazz like, everybody's different and has different opinions and that there's cool parts about that because for somebody that likes freeform jazz it's a lot of improv- improvisation uh-huh. um and kind of just feeling the direction that things are going and it's not to me it doesn't always sound harmonious <laughs> like there's kind of to me, it's a little chaotic. Disconjointed. Yeah. And yeah. so for my personality, I'm just, 
I gravitate more towards, like I said, things that resolve. And there's structure behind it. And, for example, in jazz, the keys will change often. Okay. Uh-huh. And what that does, it, it's kind of a weird trick to your ear. It, you can, even if you're not somebody that understands music theory, you can hear when the key changes. It's like, whoa, what just happened there? Yeah. You know? Um, and sometimes that can be cool, and, and that happens sometimes in pop songs or whatever, but they have a way of resolving it. But that yeah. doesn't always happen in jazz. So from it's what intentionally leaving you with like something... Tension. Bitching. Yeah, missing, yeah. Yeah, so it's almost... I, I kind of think of jazz as like the abstract art of music. You know what I mean? So some of these terms... <laughs> now, freeform jazz. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like if you listen to, I don't know, um, Joe Pass or Wes Montgomery and those guys, like... That's kind of your club jazz where it's like it, it resolves and it's smooth and nice. And even if there's because jazz is there's a lot of tension in jazz. And what I mean by that is they may intentionally play some notes on the guitar or the piano that are not in sync or harmony, mm-hmm. but they resolve it. So that's what they call building tension. Okay. So you're like, oh, that doesn't sound right, and then they resolve it. And, you're like, and he oh, comes back, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But, um, but it, it's, um, it's a weird sensation to me. It's like, I like that because it builds the tension, but it brings me back. Yeah. So I like that kind of jazz. But my, my, there's some pretty <laughs> freeform stuff out there that I'm like, ooh. Just too much. I just yeah. can't follow too that. Too much tension. Or um, even, even, like, I hate to say this, but, like, and I know John Mayer's playing with the Grateful Dead now, mm-hmm. but even some of their, like, jam bands that just go on endlessly. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're playing... So harmony is, is built around the idea of... Well, I, let me see. I can pull up the definition for well, people. Yeah, if you want well, to. Is it helpful? This might... So harmony is the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce a chord and chord progressions, having a pleasing effect. Oh, that's... Okay. Yeah, so... I was trying to get my mind wrapped around that again, but I'm so on guitar, for example. Like you, when you play a chord, like G or C, or whatever chord you play, you're producing harmony from multiple notes because mm-hmm. all the chords have multiple notes in them. So yes, when you listen to those people like the Grateful Dead, they're playing chords and stuff, but they might not string things together that sounds great (laughs) like some of their stuff is is has a lot of resolution in it but sometimes they just go on for an hour-long jam and it's like ooh. well and that may can't follow it attribute to why you don't think of grateful dead as one of like your top 50 bands either like when you're you don't hear them i appreciate their talent Yeah. yeah of course i do um but yeah it's not a band like you said that i would gravitate towards everyday listening yeah because you know um there's just not that resolution or that structure that I like. Well, I know I'm, I'm learning a lot of this through my daughter. She's been doing piano, and that she's actually getting to a point where she's learning a lot about this musical theory pieces, yeah. and dominant chords, and yep. the chords that jump back to your your home. You know mm-hmm. where you find that pleasing, and that's piece. that, that yeah. resolution. Yeah. Um, and so that's part of that. There, you can intentionally create music to sound like you said, having tension or having something that's a peaceful resolution. Mm-hmm. So those two words themselves, I want to kind of redirect the conversation a little bit. Um, I find it interesting that these musical terms have such a different connection to different parts of our lives. Of course. Um, do you find that in your own life that you have similar desires to have peace versus tension or to have resolutions and have harmony, I guess, in different areas? Of course, yeah. I think I think we all do uh, to a degree where um, want harmony or... Um, Security in our life, yeah, and, and structure. Um, but you know, for me, I am a person, and I know this is—I hate to say it—but I know this is kind of like a buzzword now. But I have a lot of anxiety, uh-huh. but I've always had a lot of anxiety, and I think in my brain, there's a lot going on. I'm always thinking, yeah, maybe a little chaotic in there. Okay, because um, I'm always overanalyzing something or whatever. So. In the world around me, I like a lot of structure. Yeah. Like, like, if I think about music, I like structured music. I like to work out, so mm-hmm. I I have a pretty structured like workout regimen as far as like weightlifting and stuff, because I like having that 
that uh, schedule or that structure around things. Yeah, and that I, discipline. I actually had a friend I talked to you recently about this, and he's really into working out. And um, he said there's something about having something to achievement to say, oh, I've done this many reps. I've done yes, this. Yes, that's true. It, that gives him some kind of peace and satisfaction because he was able to know exactly what he needed to do. Know how many? He even says know how many much to put in his smoothie. No, I mean, the <laughs> rules are so clear. Yes, that it makes it. It's very comforting. That's that's true. And well, I guess if, if I go back to like, I like working out, but I like weight training. Uh-huh. So, like, it sounds like your friend. Because, like you said, I have a specific routine. I can I can add reps or weight every week, and I can track it. And, and, and it's there's rules. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I guess that's why I don't want, enjoy... Well, I guess you could do that with long-distance long running, too. You could track how many miles and whatnot, but... Well, I think it's probably why so many people like the Apple Watches and the apps that are able to track everything yeah. now because with those it gives you very clear um, data data yeah that <laughs> says exactly what you've done and have you hit the indicators that you've done what you're supposed to do and there's there's something satisfying and pleasing mm-hmm. about that um, and I know you have a lot of um, background and knowledge about things when it terms to creating plans for people in terms of helping mm-hmm. them with recovery and so forth from injuries uh, would you say that even that aspect is something that is part of that, maybe that rule following, but just having that structure that's available to know exactly what you need to do? Yeah, I think um, I think sometimes people may shy away from things that they don't know a lot about because they. it's almost like they're like, well, if I don't have a structure or a plan, like, I'm not even going to touch it because they don't know what to do. Um, so if you think about somebody going to the, the gym the first time, they walk into this place with all these machines mm-hmm. and uh, weights and dumbbells and cardio machines and treadmills or whatever. And they're like, where do I start? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, having a program or yeah, a plan. Yeah, so having a program or a plan, it, it gives you, it kind of chills out some of that anxiety. Because you know, all right, even if I'm new to this, this is what I execute today. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then you can track that over time. And I think, yeah. Just having a plan for everything in life, to me, is or just a structure. Just it takes eases. out some of the uncertainty. I would feel like. But I will say, I think for me, and that's something I'm working on, is uncertainty is not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes moving past some of those structures and letting loose a little bit is good. Well, a good analogy. I think um, you can talk more about this in your knowledge. But I recently had a shoulder injury. And uh, I went to physical therapy. I do want to make a disclaimer. I am not a physical therapist. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. What, Anything you have... of that nature. I just enjoy lifting and reading about s- stuff. And... Yeah. You have a lot of knowledge, though, about yeah. this area. Oh, thank you. Because um, uh, we've talked about this before. When I had my shoulder injury, I even talked to you, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is some things that... Um, um, and it really connected with what my physical therapy was saying. Oh, that's you really cool. have to, <laughs> to have to work through. Yeah. Um, and part of that is you have to push through some of the pain mm-hmm. because your body's telling you through this pain process not to do this yes and but the doctor i talked with you said this the physical therapist said this is that you have to kind of force through some of that not to a point where you're hurting yourself yeah but you have to have some pain to get to a place where you don't have pain that's, that's very true i can't remember the exact terminology of um like the physical therapy terminology but a lot of the research now points to that your body kind of sends this alarm system. Mm-hmm. When you've injured yourself, it's like, eh, we probably shouldn't do that again because you've hurt yourself doing that in the past. Yeah. So like you said, if you can train your body through gradual exposure to something. Okay, I like that um, word. So, you know, like if, I don't know, um, push-ups hurt you, right? So maybe doing a full range of motion all the way down to the ground, push-up hurts your shoulder. Yeah then what you would do to gradually expose yourself is just do a partial push-up. Yeah. And if that doesn't cause pain, then over time you lower yourself lower and lower and lower. Um, and the idea is that your body goes, oh, this, this is okay. Yeah. You know? Well, or if you're, like, walking. Yeah. Maybe you got ankle pain or knee pain. And you can't walk a mile without the pain. Well, you walk three-quarters of a mile and you don't have pain. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do that. And then you add a little bit every, every time. I like how this, I like the term you use, exposure. Um, because it almost brings us back to what we talked about with the music. When you step away from that peaceful moment, yeah. you actually have to expose yourself to some of that tension, uh-huh. some of the pieces there, to realize that you needed to go back to a place that was peaceful. Because if you only hit just 
notes that are major notes that are only hit notes that are that make you feel good then you don't realize what that you really needed those in a different way it's true so it's kind of a, a way to show that in other areas of our life like you said with physical therapy maybe even with anxiety um and well, I know I, we've had some students before, and I, I don't think you've mentioned like OCD type things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to expose yourself to those things in a way to help you get to a place where you can handle it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and okay. I don't I don't mind talking about this, but part of the anxiety is I I do have OCD, and I know a lot of people when they hear OCD they think like hand washing or germs. Mm-hmm. Now I I did when I was younger, so my OCD has kind of changed as I've gotten older. Yeah. It's kind of had different, so I've had different obsessions over the years. When I was little, it was like hand washing and germs and all that kind of stuff. But as I've gotten older, it's kind of morphed into what they would call probably more pure O or pure obsession instead of like compulsions. Okay. Another, you could say, anyway, I'll go into that. So that would be where you're dwelling on things consistently. Uh, Or, you know, this happened at work. And you just keep going over it and over and over it. Yeah. So because this happened, what if something bad happens because of that? And then it's like this cycle. It drives the anxiety. Yeah, yeah. it's that cycle. Um, and I guess you could say the compulsion for that would be to ask somebody else for reassurance. Like, mm, do you I think see. something bad's going to happen? No, I don't think something bad's going to happen. But that kind of drives the cycle. Oh, but, okay. but like you said, a, a technique that they use for OCD is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's exposing yourself to the, the fear, whatever it is. Okay. And trying to, in the, in the hopes that eventually that anxiety or that fear we'll real, s- will subside. I gotcha. It might take a while, but eventually over time, the more you do it, it'll subside eventually. Yeah, right. Hey, Hi, how good are you? Morning. Hey, good morning. Little adorable little Australian shepherds just walked past. I want to take a moment <laughs> to talk about what we're seeing in front of us. Um, as we've, we've kind of strayed away from the heavier, more rapid parts Ow. of the river as he runs into a bush. <laughs> <Ran> into a branch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you have more calm, a calm river down next to us. So you don't hear that in the background, but straight up ahead of us <clears> is an old, um, railway bridge, um, that, um, has a lot of graffiti on it. I can tell from here, but I just want to give you an idea of what we're seeing. And we're kind of walking now, um, with some, it's like briary type bushes, um, and a few of some drainage pipes are sticking up, I think, to help with flood control. With more graffiti. Yeah, lots of graffiti, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. I like the mural. And it, it's very, like, nice-looking graffiti. Yeah, yeah. It's Somebody's nothing. very talented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll give credit to those artists you know, who are here. <laughs> Since Great we're job. talking about art and music. and Yeah. Um, so, so jumping back in, in terms of family work, I know you mentioned that this place here was a place you came with your family, you did your pictures. Um, does all of this play into how you, your, your day-to-day life in terms of, um, <clears throat> that term harmony, yeah. br- bringing things back to a place where you feel safe, secure, uh, and peace. Tell me more about how that relates to your family and work. Well, I think, um, like you said, peace and there's always, I always unintentionally strive to make everybody happy around me because mm-hmm. I feel peaceful when everybody's happy or um, or things are going well yeah. around me. So I think unintentionally I seek the harmony in my life <laughs> with friends or, you know, I, you know I've, I know we've talked about this before because um, we used to work together. Um, but a lot of times, even with colleagues or friends... I'm always like, uh-oh, are they upset with me about something, mm-hmm. or did I do something wrong? Or So I'm always on edge about things being not harmonious. I gotcha. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I wouldn't say that's exactly a healthy thing, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's part of that, what you are saying earlier, this need for things to have resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can go along with, I mean, I, we used, like you said, we used to work with each other, um, and um, we worked in a school system... Um, you actually teach the class that I used to teach in. Um, and so a lot of times you're concerned about things like um, parents oh, or yeah. <laughs> uh, making sure everybody's good with, with that they're happy. Um, hey, how's it going? Um, making sure your coworkers, your administrators are seeing what you're doing. Yeah. And I think, I think to some degree we all kind of feel that way. We wear 
we wear these masks often that want to show people what they want to see. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, probably within my own family. Per, uh, per, There's <laughs> lots of mud. Everywhere. Yeah, we get some mud <laughs> puddles we're trying to navigate right now. Um, with my family, friends, we're coworkers, especially these people that, who are going to, I say, evaluate or judge you. <laughs> you like your bosses that come in, like it's a You're teacher. Like, oh, I'm doing something. I promise I'm yeah, doing something right? important. <laughs> like, look, look, I'm doing a great thing. Look what I did, you know? <laughs> because you want them to see that you're doing a good job. And I think there's a big trail here that leads back to family. And I've said this a couple of times to some friends of mine where I think anxiety drives from losing something that you are holding on to. Because for, as a family, you want to make sure that you're financially stable. Yeah. You want to make sure that your, your children are safe, that you want to make sure that your relationship with your spouse is intact. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of all of that is you have this balancing act that you think, oh, if I drop something along the way here, like if I, if I, if I mess up, then that could lose these things that I'm holding on to, this mm-hmm. financial security. What if I lose my job because I do something ridiculous at work? What yep. if I... Um, and then how's that going to impact my family? Yeah, like what if I what if I say the wrong thing, or if, what if I? Um, and again, this is all what ifs is, is the, the the key word of anxiety, right? Yeah, I was, was um, going to say that. Yeah. So all of this, uh, the point is saying that there's there's some rationality there that we want to somehow preserve what we already hold on to, um, and I think that's part of um, that desire to make sure other people are happy to affirm that what you're doing will not lead to losing something that's valuable. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And striving for affirmation. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, Um, Wow. We're right up under this bridge at the moment. Um, looking up and seeing some big iron pieces holding it all together. I don't know. That's wild. I don't (laughs) think this one is active. Maybe it is. It looks like it's old. Um, oh, wow. There's just some more graffiti with uh, oh, Teen Titans teen on there. T- yeah, that's re- this is really good art. <laughs> Raven and Robin. Okay, so the, whoever this did this, I want to give you some credit. This is really awesome. Good artwork. Jeez. Um, we have some on the other side, some characters. You might know them. I don't know who that is. Um, uh, I do not know. Yeah, but there's some really good art. I think those are, it kind of looks like a Speed Racer or like somebody like that, but I don't really know who that is. <laughs> Oh, this is Bluey. Oh, we got for the, Bluey for here. For the, the Bluey fans Yeah, for, out the there. Young, for the young wow, ones. Wow, graffiti of Bluey. A really That's good amazing. Bluey. So there you go. <laughs> you have some Bluey now. What do we got on the other side? Um, Why do you think I got permission to do this? This is like really good. Yeah, this is like mur- <laughs> almost mural level. Um, so just uh, a little side story while we're here at this bridge. Um, a long time ago. Oh, I man, came... the metaphors of bridges. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Connecting. Can, yeah, there you go. We can go a long way with what we're at. Uh, really cool bridge. Um, a long time ago, I came here by myself for a walk, and um, it was a day where it was clear, and then there's a few clouds, and as I came, I made it to about where this bridge is at, and a storm was coming over, and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go for a little bit longer. But I made it about here, and I actually walked up. There's a hill right beside us now that has gravel, and you can walk up. Why don't we do it? Let's walk up there. Yeah. Um, there's a Let's gravel breath walk. I know it's going to be tough here. So we're going <laughs> to walk to the top of the bridge. Um, I walked this same path. When I did, I made it to the top, and there was a group of men about, oh, about about 100 yards away that I saw standing, maybe four or five guys, and I was by myself. I made it to the top, and then as they they noticed me, they all started walking in my direction. I was like, is this a good story? Well, it started to freak (laughs) me out a little bit, so I decided to, you know, go away from them. I didn't stand and wait, so I came back down through here, and I started walking really fast. And it started to pour down rain and storm. Oh, jeez. But my whole mindset was thinking these guys are coming after me, and I don't know what they were doing. This was a, maybe a bad mistake. I'm breathing hard now. Um, but um, all of that led to me actually wanting to write a story about that. And so like I've been working story? on a somewhat a short story to evolve maybe one day to a longer story that brought all of this together to where... The character is in the same spot and has to escape from these these, these people who are uh, coming after him. Oh, wow. That's interesting. There's a lady up here who is... Uh, I think that's what... She has a dog? No, I can't. Sitting see. on the oh, bridge. <laughs> There's a lady sitting on the bridge on the railway with kind of sitting, hanging off a little. But we are now standing on the railroad. This looks like it could still be used. I think so. 
yeah. A pretty interesting spot right here. We're on top of I just of learned it. something about railroads. You probably already knew. From Outer Banks, the show Outer Banks. Uh-huh. <laughs> that I guess the tracks hold a little bit of a charge. Oh, yeah? Electrical charge. And you can stop a train. Now, this is from the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are you trying to I say here? I don't know if it's factual, but by putting like a, a chain across it or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, don't so, do that. Yeah, don't do that. They use jumper cables. Anyway. But speaking of Outer Banks, um, this just popped up in my brain. Why do we like shows like The Goonies or Outer Banks or uh, yeah. any of these shows like... So those who haven't watched Outer Banks, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but um, it's a bunch of kids who live in the Outer Banks, like a beach town, but they're like dropouts and yeah. they're basically treasure hunting. Yeah. They have no responsibilities. They're treasure hunting and... Yeah, I mean, they're running from the cops, they're doing all this this stuff, and it, it kind of makes me think, like, I enjoy watching somebody enjoying no structure, because I really want that, Yeah. but I don't feel comfortable having that. You don't feel safe. Yeah. yeah. But I think we all like the idea of it. <laughs> well, when you're kids, that's what your play is all based yeah. around, is this adventure and this mm-hmm. seeking out the treasures. And, you know, I mean, I used to go... Um, in North Georgia, we had we lived in the in the woods, and there would be these trees that fell over, and it would pull the root systems up out of the ground, and you would see a little kind of hole down there where it pulled out from the ground, and I used to think like, oh, this is where buried treasure is at, <laughs> and so I would go out with shovels and I would dig under the ground, thinking that I found this secret cave that had all of this treasure, and I would take the rocks and I would clean the ones that I found that I thought looked good, which was just it was clay, red clay rock. Um, nothing special, but at the time I thought, oh wow, this is some good stuff. I'm going to eventually get to this treasure chest. So I think you're right. There's something appealing about this adventure and seeking out a little bit of danger, a little bit mm-hmm. of thrill uh, that we all have, but we're a little bit scared in reality to, especially as we get older. Well, I think also what happens in the end of most of those shows, something good happens, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Either they find, oh, I don't know about Outer Banks, I haven't finished it yet, uh, but I would assume <laughs> they find the treasure in the end or whatever. But it kind of goes back to, we were talking about what kind of music do I like? And I like, I find myself as I get, I'm getting older liking um, things that maybe add tension, mm-hmm. but then resolve. Yeah. So, like we were talking about, some jazz does that. Like it, they'll have what's called chromatic notes or notes that are outside of a scale, which just means basically it's not really in harmony with for your ear, but it's cool because the musician will like bring it back. Um, so it's like uh, a little bit of tension, and then all of a sudden they resolve it. And yeah. I guess like even country music does that sometimes. Like um, Brad Paisley, um, he uses a lot of those techniques in guitar where. He's playing something that's real melodic, and then all of a sudden he kind of goes wild, and you're like, "Whoa, that doesn't sound right!" And then he resolves it. But it, it's cool. It kind of it it. I don't know. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I, I, it, your, your knowledge of the music is much. Well, more I was just gonna say it's mind, appealing but, yeah. to me. Um, I guess it's kind of like when you're reading a story. It's you. You have that kind of apex or that that point in the story where it's like the the crescendo or yeah. whatever. But yeah. then it turns back around. And then you have the resolution, so, and that it's exciting. It makes it more exciting, I yeah. think. All right. Well, right now we are on top of the railroad. We're going to actually start heading back down. We can see the river down below us, um, and I'm not going to go on the bridge because I think that lady would not like us close to her. Um, but we're going to head on back down. Okay. Uh, but I like down this way. I think we'll, let's jump back into some of the adventure pieces that you were talking about a second ago, and um, I think we in movies and TV shows. Yeah. Um, I think there's been a huge, probably over the last 20 or 30 years, this demand for like dystopian yes, type that's true. media, like uh, Hunger Games or, you know, Handmaid's Tale. This whole th- idea of what the future could be. You even have shows like Black Mirror that kind of give you a, a very oh, scary version of where <laughs> technology can go. Some wild stuff um, in that show. But even, uh, what, what is the appeal, uh, the appeal of that? Like, you mentioned like this, this or tension. Or Walking Dead, too. Yeah, if you Walking think about Dead, that. yeah. Um, all of these shows show a picture of well, what the things Last of Us now is could the be. New one. Oh yeah, uh, based off the video game. Mm-hmm. Um, this horrible world where things all go wrong. Yes. You know, but for some reason we're like, I want to see that. Well, I think you're almost seeing people survive in the midst of chaos, 
um, I don't know, it kind of makes you think about, well, what would I do if there were no rules and the government was gone or, yeah. you know, zombies were taken over and I, my only job would be to survive. Is it, do you think it's because we want to we want to go ahead and think through that process? Yeah, I, well, for me, I think it's exciting to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's my plan if a zombie bites me? Yeah. So. Well, then again, I'm making up a plan. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, that's probably part of that same anxiety. Like, we feel the anxiety, but we have to resolve it by saying, okay, what would I do? Yes. How would I handle this? What's the situation? What's the strategy here? <laughs> like um, music, there's tension, and then you resolve it. Yeah, it's. There's zombies. But how am I not going to get eaten by that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, we, uh, and like Handmaid's Tale, I mean, some of these shows, I don't know if they actually resolve. I haven't finished them. That's but, true. Um, sometimes they don't. I mean, sometimes everybody's done for. Um, but <laughs> that is true. I, I guess, I guess there's I a find myself for that liking too. some of those shows too, so, yeah. which is odd. <laughs> oh, right. We, I don't know if we're still in the main part of a trail now, but we're I don't gonna, even know if we're in Georgia anymore. Yeah, this is somewhere else. <laughs> this is something different here. Um, we are now in a little section where there's lots of little tiny trails br- branching off in different directions. So hopefully we don't get lost. Um, but let's go, let's jump back a little bit to, um, I wouldn't say, I hate to use the word people pleasing, but. Just the idea that there's this constant need to have others be happy, right? Do you find, like, after, after you go through this process, do you still feel a sense of stress? Or does it, do you actually feel a, a, like a sense of being resolved after you've kind of like, okay, they're happy, they're happy, they're happy, work's all good, now I'm good? Or do you still feel a sense of stress holding on to, like, what will happen next time i think i think it's the latter (laughs) i think maybe um for a short time i might feel good Uh or um you know relaxed or peaceful about things but it always kind of comes back like a cycle and i think that's kind of how anxiety is in general um and kind of like we were talking about you know or you were talking about one of the strategies for overcoming anxiety is facing a fear and -hmm. eventually that will die down over time um so, I guess if you if you're constantly searching for for um, affirmation from others, you're going to perpetuate the cycle of wanting that harmony around you. But if you can find a way to be okay, like knowing that others don't like you, or who cares what other people think, I'm going to do what I think is right, and eventually, hopefully, you won't care as much. Yeah. <laughs> And that's a weird thing there too, because kind of like what, that book you read. <laughs> Which one was that? The the one with the uh, the F word. <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, Mark. I think it's Mark Manson, I believe. Oh, gosh, the art of yeah, art of not giving um, a certain word. <laughs> um, we'll keep it clean for the purposes yep. here. Yep. Um, but yeah, not was, giving a care. Yeah, I mean, there's and that's a weird. If you read the book, it's kind of plays around with that. It's definitely a a clickbait title to get you to pick up the book. But I think he has a few good points where he says that, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You mentioned that Mm -hmm. earlier. You have to think about what's best for you. And that's a weird dynamic because you think of not caring about other people that you should care about people. And I I don't think that's where he's, what he's saying, but I think it's more, you have to really do a lot of these things first for yourself. That self-care piece, understand why you or what, what your principles are, what your tenets to live, what you're building your life around. Um, choosing to be a, a, a good person because you want to be a good for the sake of that reason instead mm. of doing it because you want someone to perceive you as being your good. And I think that kind of goes into this weird idea that you have to somehow, and I don't think it's completely possible, to kind of let go of that ego a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, agreed. My wife and I have this conversation a lot and be like, well, why are you really doing that? Do you, do you just, you want somebody to like you? You want that affirmation that you're doing things right? Yeah. You know, you could talk about the imposter syndrome thing. Like, well, talk, but, talk about that a little bit. What is the imposter syndrome? Um, so essentially imposter sy- syndrome is where you, you kind of think everybody around or everybody around you is going to find out that you don't really know what you're doing. Okay. Essentially. At least I think that. That's what I think it is. But yeah, for you, I mean. I um, yeah. yeah, like the fear that people are going to find out that you're 
faking it till you make it or whatever. Uh So, and I think everybody in any career, there's things about their, or career or life or just things in general, like not just career, but parenting, for example. Uh Like there's, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, what if my parents (laughs) find out that, you know, I'm kind of winging it sometimes. Yeah. And that there's that what if kind of feeling. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, I think (laughs) that's perfect because do you think we all all kind of have a little bit of that? I think so. Um, I think, you know, when you start a new job or you you start a new project or you start doing something like working out or playing a musical instrument or picking up a new hobby, yeah, you're learning still. Mm -hmm. But I think some of us hold on to that feeling like we're new. Yeah. Um, And I find myself feeling that way a lot. It's like a confidence. I I know deep down I'm I know what I'm doing for the most part and I'll I'll always can learn more of course um, but that imposter syndrome kind of takes over sometimes makes you feel like well what would happen if people found out that maybe I don't know everything you know yeah and that goes into ego too <laughs> into what I'm sorry. E- ego ego okay yeah. if you think about it unintentionally I don't think in my mind I'm actually thinking man. I have this huge ego, but... Well, it's a a pride, and that word pride is really um, interesting dynamic of the different meanings you can derive from it. I think it was the Avid Brothers who have a song that say, I want pride like my mama had, but not like the kind of the Bible that makes you bad. Oh. And so that... I like that. Yeah. Like the the Pharisees or something. Yeah, yeah. The the, teachers of the law. Yeah, that don't... (laughs) Um, we'll I think they knew everything about religion. Yeah, and so... It, and if it, you're... A, regardless of being a Christian or not, you could, like... If you look at Jesus and what he did, as far as just historically, like, he tried to overturn the rules and laws of, you know, these religious figures around him. Yeah. They thought they knew everything. Kind yeah, of thing. and they had a certain pride in what they in in being in knowing something that others didn't know. Yeah, in, in being the all-knowing religious leader kind of thing. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think that pride piece plays into it. If we want to be perceived as as like we are good, we're great. We can mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you and I know I do this all the time, where you almost see yourself getting recognition before you've done something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where you're like, okay, if I do this, somebody's going to come by and be like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, and so, again, that goes back to that intent piece. Why is it that you're doing this? Is it to get recognition? Is it to get someone to say, oh, look at you, you're great? You know, like you're, the, you're that proverbial, I'm standing on the podium with the trophy before you've even got <laughs> they there. They like you know? me. They really like yeah. me. <laughs> and I think we all do that. I think we all kind of play around with that ego world where we like, yeah, um, get into that zone and so I think it's really difficult especially in our I think in the western culture particularly when you have a very competitive economy and system where it's all kind of survival of the fittest and who's the best that we're taught very early about how to perform and receive some kind of award or recognition externally like um and then you throw social media into the mix yeah (laughs) I mean social media will tell you (laughs) Like who's living the best life, keeping up with the Joneses, or so and so has this. Do I need that? I yeah, mean, exactly. that really. And then you go into like, you know, my my daughter now she's eleven. I, I consistently is she on the TikToks. She is not. <laughs> no, uh, we have kept her off of that for, for now. But I th- I don't think it's still. Um, she's not immune to the fact that you know, as a girl who's becoming a teenager. That she has to deal with the idea of self-image, yeah, and making feel this need to make others feel that she is beautiful, mm-hmm. you know. And I think many women deal with that more than men, but it's just this idea that we have to somehow be perceived by others in a certain way. Yeah, I don't know. Do you do, tell me? Do you feel like you connect in terms of ways that, like, and we talk about people pleasing at, at, at work? Um, tell me, tell me some more things that you feel in that area. Well, I think um, I think that's it goes back to culture too. The culture we live in is kind of a vain one, yeah. and uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you you could even say like, why do I work out? Yes, I enjoy the the discipline of it, and that's the the big thing. I enjoy being strong and disciplined and healthy and 
But I think everybody <laughs> kind of exercises a little bit so they feel like they look better, too. Yeah. To a degree, unless they're somebody who got told by their doctor, hey, you need to work out. And yeah. doing it because of that. But, yeah. but I think a little bit of us kind of has a desire to look a certain way, to feel a certain way, to so that others notice. Yeah. Um, I, I find or I, even with guitar playing or music, sometimes I'm like, man, I learned that solo. Do you think people are going to like it? Or, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm in a band now, and we got a couple concerts coming up, and I was at practice recently, and I was I learned this guitar solo. It took me a while to learn it, and afterwards I was like, was that good? And then I think about it, like, who really cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, who really cares? Is anybody in the audience going, man? He didn't play the right scale there. <laughs> I, th- I think there's this fine line here, and this is where we talked about that pride piece a minute ago. That it's, I think that we, it's an okay thing with art and creation to feel this need to share things with others. Yeah. You know, um, and I think... Kind of like you do in this podcast. Yeah, exactly. This, this podcast itself is a way for me to be creative and have an outlet for me to express myself in different ways and to connect with people. Um, and those are all, I think, really good intentions. But there's still a part of it that's like, I hope people like it, you mm-hmm. know? And I don't think that, I don't think it's completely wrong. You know, you want people to like things, but I think there's a part where it could become, if that's the main desire, intent that you're trying to seek out. Like if the only reason I'm doing this podcast is the hope that I get some kind of recognition. Like top, top hits on Apple. Oh yeah, like somebody's going to be like, oh, <laughs> Apple podcast. I need to go see how many the views I got or you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> then I, I'm obviously doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, of course. So I think there's a balance to it. and I, it's, I guess what I'm saying is does it's not bad to feel good that other people like what you're doing. No, but I, I think, think it's human nature. Yeah, but I think there's also a part where you have to really question the why, the intent mm-hmm. of why you're doing it. Because um, music has a, definitely a component to that where you want your music... You want people to like your music. Of course, and I guess that's why people strive for harmony, right? Yeah. (laughs) For, you know, certain chord progressions or um, things to sound, like the definition said, pleasing to the ear. Yeah. (laughs) So. Um, You go back to the the minstrels back in the, you know, the (laughs) medieval period. Please the king. Yeah. And get, like, thrown into the dungeon and chained up. (laughs) I got up and make this song sound good. He doesn't like it, you know. (laughs) That's it. I'm going to be hanging it from the gallows. (laughs) I was going to say, well, that's a little bit more life and death situation. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) This this better sound good. Um, But, yeah, I think there's a little pressure behind that one. I've had a lot of battles with that lately. Just this whole topic. Because. Oh, yeah. That battle's been my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think more, I think I've just now became more aware of it. Like, yeah. I felt like I was blind to a lot of this ego-seeking behavior for a while. But even, um, like, we've talked about a lot, like, we worked in the teaching field, and there's this desire for many to climb a ladder in any position. We're not just teaching, but all kinds of teaching. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of pose- um, Ooh, yeah. careers, right? Sales, marketing, yeah. everything. And so you have this desire to like, well, I'm going to work here, and then eventually somebody will recognize what I'm doing, and I'm going to climb the ladder, I'm going to mm-hmm. get to this next level. And, um, and I'm not saying that's wrong at all, but I think for me, at one point, it was more about ego. Someone came to me a few years ago before I was in, when I was in the class and we were working together and said, hey, I think you would be great for this position. I think you would do an awesome job. And what is that doing? It's making my ego feel really good. You yeah. Know? You're like, well, yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> really? You know? And then. Um, oh, yeah. When you say it like that. Oh. Yeah. Well, that must mean it's true, you know? Um, and then immediately I'm starting to say, I, I need to look into this. This might be good for me. And then what happened was I ended up taking this position that was a step up. It was a position raise or you know, um, a status increase, whatever you want to call it. And over time I realized I personally didn't like it. It wasn't something I really enjoyed doing, but I didn't take the time to think that what am I doing in this position? How, how do I truly feel about it? How does it affect my family? Those questions I really should have been asking. Well, did you feel fulfilled by it? No, not, not aside, not the, like, like we're saying, like the vain type of fulfilled, like more so, I mean, obviously, teachers and people in education work with students yes. or children. So, did it give you that satisfaction of 
you know, working with a, a child and really making an impact in their life? It, it didn't. And I know that's, I think everybody's a little different in terms of that, that position might be perfect for someone else. Yeah, uh, of but, course. But for me, I didn't get the satisfaction of the relationships with the families and the students that are on a more deeper level mm-hmm. where you really get to see the changes and how you, how you can really help and impact the family. Um, the, the, the job just didn't give me that. And so I had to really reflect, and it almost kind of put me into a mini depression for a little bit. Um, I'm going to give a little side quote. Jim Carrey at one point talks about sadness versus depression. And he says that depression, well, let me stop there. Sadness is happenstance. It's the things that happen to us. It's the bad weather days. Mm -hmm. Things are always going to come around. Sadness is sadness. Um, It comes and goes, just as happiness does. But depression itself is something that's a little deeper. And what that really is, is a separation from yourself and you're playing a role that your, your true core no longer feels connected to. And so at some point, you've, you're no longer at the spot where that's true to you and you're playing this almost like an actor. You're wearing that mask. And you no longer can do it, and your 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 soul can no longer connect with that connect that character you've created. Yeah. And for me, at that time, that's what I had to come to the realization was that I feel a little bit depressed because this isn't me. This isn't truly giving me that fulfillment, that place that's going to fill me up. And so um, I recently went back to the classroom this year, and. But it, I think also, like you said, that that's different for everybody. It is. Somebody yeah. else might feel extremely fulfilled by something like that, or you know, whatever it is. And I, I think that's exactly right. I think the question was for, for each person and for myself was, is this going to be the right place for me? That's not based on those big decisions cannot be based on making your ego inflated or, or trying to a, a, the, getting a good perception or recognition from others. That's where that has to be put aside. And you have to ask the hard questions like, is this truly something that's going to be best for myself and my family? Um, yeah. And not and put aside all the other pieces. So. I agree. Well, we have been on a little bit of a circle since we last started talking. We um, we stepped away from the actual river and we're up on some more um, hilly trails. I would say. Because you can hear us breathing more. Because yeah. it's. It's like the rolling hills. Or I something. know this yeah. is a little tougher to hike on. Besides <laughs> the, the ones we were on earlier. Um, this is probably this is where you're on your more biking mountain biking trail up and down roller coaster rides <laughs> um, so one last piece here um, before we end because I think we've gone for a little while um, one last question that I always try to you know to ask to make sure we've kind of hit full circle that we've had that harmony <laughs> oh, look at you. Look at that, did it, you know? That we've, I won't uh, even go. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a musical term called the circle of fifths. Oh, okay. I won't, it's, it's literally a circle. It's like a structure of like, hey, this is the chords that work together. I forgot about that. Yeah. So there you go. You All right. Of, you kind of made and we're on a hiking trail. It's a loop. So we're going uh, you know, in a full circle. Um, so to, to bring some closure, you know, um, as we are walking on the, our, our path now, what would you say from our conversation today? What would you say is something you some action step? Some what would be on your <laughs> I'm next, on the couch now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just uh, what would be your next step in the path um, what, well, from this conversation? You mean as far as um, overcoming some of that that feeling or or whatever? Yeah, I mean maybe like what would you think if, if after you know talking through all of this, do you feel like there's something? Well, you know maybe you've already you're already doing some of these things. But just kind of what would you think is the, the next step for you in terms of thinking through all this and where you would take it? Well, I think just like you said earlier, um, you have to, I will strive to try to think about where the actual intention is coming from. Is it coming from, um, you know, trying to do my best at something and not worrying if I succeed? Um, you know, or am I trying to you know strive for a perception unintentionally I, I don't think I intentionally go well I really really am going to be vain today I'm feeling very vain but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah just kind of searching inside for the intentions am I doing this you know in my job because I want 
my superiors to think I'm doing a great job? Mm-hmm. Or am I doing this because I want to make an impact in kids' lives, you know, because I'm a teacher, or whatever it is, um, whatever your job is, however you feel fulfilled, are you doing it, um, you know, for others? And I think that's a big thing for me because I'm in a profession where I want to help others. Yeah. And if I think in a vain way, I'm not, I'm not really having an intention of helping others, you know, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> Um, I mean, because that's why we do these, we go through college, we do all of these things to get a, a role. Is I don't think those, those, I don't think those paths that we have taken are chosen out of a sense of pride and being vain. I think we really do that because we want to help people. We want to connect with people and, mm-hmm. and make a difference to others. And, you know, is there somewhat of a return of that back to us that shows us, oh, we made a difference. That makes me feel good. I think that's that's the pride that you want to have. Yeah, I think I think feeling it's it's obviously okay to feel good about yourself. Yeah. Um, but searching for, you know, affirmation from others, is I don't think that's an entirely healthy thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something I totally struggle with. There's a so, sense of balance there that yeah. needs to play out. That you know. It, I think we're always going to do certain things in our life to get recognition. I don't think that in itself is uh, is a bad, but I think when it becomes takes over your mind, that's kind of how you're driving your decisions. Yes, is where it can get to a point where it's it's unhealthy. Yeah, absolutely. So. All right, well, Ryan, thank you for hiking. We're we still have a little bit to go, and we'll have more conversations. But we'll go ahead and stop the re- recording here. And I appreciate you talking about harmony with me today. Thanks. All right. I hope, I hope it was fun. All right. I enjoyed it. I want to say thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'd like to finish with a quote from Rick Rubin, who says, The power of nature is what all art strives to be. The more we can get in tune with the harmony of the planet, the more our art can benefit from that relationship. Finally, I want to thank a few people. I want to thank Ryan Cherry for taking this hike with me today, as well as the music and editing of this podcast. I want to thank Applin McIntyre and Julia Villaro for the podcast cover art. I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Deep in the Woods.